What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, Alex Van Aken, and today I'm joined by Marcus Stewart. Hello, Marcus. How are you? I am doing fantastic, Mr. Van Aken. Yeah, thanks for thanks for you've been you've been a traveling man. You've been Tokyo, uh, Montreal. Yeah, I think you've been to both those places since the last time you were on the show. Literally back to back weeks, both of them. Wow, are you tired? Uh, very. Still, <laughs> like I feel like I'm still <laughs> readjusting my internal clock, but it's it's better than it was a week ago. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, you've got a lot of stuff to talk about on this show. Uh, b- b- before we get to that. Uh, let's talk to Wes LeBlanc. Hello, Wes. How are you? The news hound himself, the once and future informer. Sorry, I messed up your intro today. <laughs> it's Wesley. Um, we'll talk LeBlanc. after this uh, podcast about that. <laughs> no, that's unacceptable. Yeah. I'm doing great. It's been a uh, it's been a really really fun week for video game coverage. So it has. Uh, you you put a tweet out the other day uh, saying it's a good week to be a news writer. Any any story in particular that you I uh, had a lot of fun putting together. Um, yeah, just uh, you know, hearing that CD Projekt Red has a conference call for their investors, and then five minutes later seeing a tweet thread that's announcing like six new games from this studio that a lot of people like. That was pretty um, that was pretty funny and fun. Yeah, I was hoping you pretty would say cool. Stadia going down. Just that I would check out the ideas. <laughs> as I love writing about catastrophic failure. It feels good. All the yeah, that's how I get my jollies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man. Okay, well, that's a lot of news stuff. We aren't going to talk about that this show just because we've already got a stacked episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about our Bayonetta three cover story, uh, our Overwatch two review later on with Shay, uh, our Gotham Knights preview impressions, and maybe a little Steam Net Next Fest if we have time. We'll figure that out. And of course, rounding out the show, we have a lot of great listener emails. Um, but uh, yeah. But I guess real quick, yeah, two quick news stories. Google Stadia is shutting down in January. Is that right? 18th. January 18th. 18th. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like Wes said, a ton of new um, games coming from CD Projekt, including a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077, an expansion to the game, and a new Witcher trilogy, if I'm right. Yeah, they... As well... Yeah, new Witcher trilogy. As well as, like... And then... Okay, Molasses Flood. They're doing a separate twitcher game in the universe and it's a it will have multiplayer and then there's another studio that they did not name they just called an external studio with former witcher devs who are making another separate witcher game so that's five witcher games in the pipeline and yeah and then a new ip yeah and a new ip um just as a note if you're excited about this this is absolutely this company's like next 15 years so like don't think you're playing these six CDPR RPGs in the next five years because that's not going to happen. No. Yeah. Uh, maybe 20 years if we're lucky. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of games to make. Um, well, let's get into the uh, main topic of the show. Marcus, um, you recently flew out to Washington uh, to write uh, our Bayonetta 3 cover story. You got to play the game. You got to interview... Uh, some higher ups and put together a really nice cover story. So how about you walk us through that whole process? And uh, I guess we can dive into the cover story after that. Yeah, it feels so long ago now because this was back in like mid-August that I went to uh, 
Nintendo of America headquarters up in uh, Redmond, Washington, and sat in a large, mostly empty boardroom to play <laughs> <laughs> about uh, an hour of Bayonetta 3. Um, it was kind of divided into two big demos, uh, each starring, you know, one was Bayonetta and the other was Viola, who is the new playable character in the game. And yes, the cover is live now. And, you know, in case you were worried about if this was a Bayonetta game, then no fears, because within the first few minutes, I was like, yep, this is Bayonetta, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I should say that I'm a huge Bayonetta fan. I'm a huge stylish action Guy, in general, I love Devil May Cry, Ninja Guy, and God of War. But Bayonetta, close to my heart. I love the first two games. Bayonetta 2 was my game of the year in 2014. So I, like many fans, have been just, you know, drowning in anticipation for Bayonetta 3. And I think I, I walked away largely impressed with what I played. So the big thing with this game is that the multiverse is at the center of everything. Which is okay, and that's something that like. Well, let me ask you: Are, are either of you two big Bayonetta fans? I am not, but I've always wanted to get into them, so I am like, uh, I have a curious mind, a curious ear. I I loved Bayonetta one. I missed two, and I am desperately trying to figure out a way to play it before three comes out. Yeah, the Switch version of two is very good. Yeah, it was was it a Wii U exclusive? It was. That is yeah. absolutely why I missed it then. Yeah, fair. <laughs> a lot of people did too because of that. Yeah. But yeah, okay, I asked because like this is like lore stuff, but the multiverse has always been an implied or or like a small element of the last two games. Um, but now it's front and center where you've seen in the trailers there are multiple Bayonettas from other universes that are coming into the game. And the basic premise is that some mysterious bad person is trying to bring it all crashing down and so in order to prevent the collapse of the multiverse bayonetta teams up with viola who is an umbra witch in training from a different universe who is also sort of the catalyst for the game's event she's very important we don't know why yet but those two kind of pair off to go solve this multiversal crisis so the game has a new class of enemies called humunguli so in previous Bayonetta games, you always battled primarily angels. Bayonetta 2 had some demons in there too, but angels and demons were pretty much what you always fought. Uh, we don't know if they're in this game yet, though Platinum did tease that they're at least angels that you don't see them as often in, anymore. Something has happened to where they're not really descending from Paradiso, which is sort of basically heaven. So it, that is a fun little sort of like tease of like what's going on with the story. But Humunguli are man-made creatures. They're made up of like multiple living bodies. They have this sort of gelatinous quality. Like they basically look like the anime version of like Flubber. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Is, is what I kept thinking of. Of like, oh yeah, there's like if Flubber was just like really like humanoid and just like really got into like an anime machine and had all these like cool variations of himself there's like you know soldiers there's like giant just weird gelatinous spheres like just all these different types that i saw and there's plenty more that i didn't see but you know you're jumping around from uh across different universes to battle these guys between the two main characters one of the big differences or additions i should say for the game is uh demon masquerade as well as demon slave so in previous Bayonetta games, you know, Bayonetta has the power as an Umbra Witch to use your hair 
to summon demons from Inferno, which is basically hell. And, you know, in previous games, they were kind of limited to just sort of like quick time events where you just call like a dragon and have it chomp down at someone and you're just mashing the buttons to fill a meter to do even more damage. This time you can just kind of summon them and control them more directly. And that's Demon Slave. So you can bring out Madama Butterfly, who's this uh, sort of like beautiful butterfly demon that Bayonetta traditionally draws a lot of her power from and just have her storm the field. And you're controlling her, and you're just going around just, like, smacking dudes and doing, like, each demon has an individual power. Like, Madama Butterfly can blow kisses to charm enemies into fighting with you. But you're kind of controlling them almost like a, uh, I almost thought of it like a Rock'em Sock'em robot fight when I was playing it. Of like, okay, really? you just got, like, two big arms, and you're just, like, laying waste. But you can also, like, they all have their own combos, and you can still use your Witch Time Dodge, which is the split-second dodge that slows time for a period. And while you're doing that, Bayonetta is vulnerable. She can't move or anything. So you kind of, it's kind of a game of like keeping an eye on her so that she doesn't get hit by enemies that, you know, aren't dealing with the demon. Well, and, you know, you have a limited amount of time at the, while you're using Demon Slave because your magic meter's draining. So you kind of have to pick your spots on how to use it. But, um, you know, being able to do that with the different demons, I only got to use it with Madama Butterfly and Gamora, who's the, the dragon looking demon. But, Mm-hmm. I thought both of those were pretty fun for the most part. It took some getting used to in terms of the camera because they're so big. They take up a lot of space that I found myself having to rotate the camera constantly just to kind of keep Bayonetta in my sight so that she didn't get like hit off screen with like some cheap shots or whatever. So that's the only thing I'm wondering, like if that'll become like a persistent annoyance or not. Yeah, I was looking at some of our, our footage that we have that we're going to be showing off here in the next couple weeks and i noticed like the camera was like the biggest my biggest concern as well it's like there are you know sometimes you're fighting in these really tight spaces and normal and now since you're these giant creatures controlling these giant creatures you are you know suddenly uh, a space that might be massive for bayonetta is now just like another short tunnel for these giant you know creatures so yeah like did it hinder your did you ever get into a scenario where like you were you died or got in, intentionally or unintentionally took like damage because of the camera issues or, or anything like that no not really i never died from it you know i took a few cheap shots but it was when i was still in that sort of adjustment period of getting used to it so yeah. it wasn't awful and i think the fact that the demon slave operates on a meter that drains so fast like they're not going to be out forever so it's not something you're going to be using for very long just because you okay can. yeah So, like, my strategy that I like to do was kind of, like, peppering their attacks in between my standard combos. So, like, a few quick punches and then some summon Madam Butterfly to do a punch and then go back to my stuff to kind of, like, ration out my meter so that they're really not on the field that long. Like, you almost use them as sort of, like, your exclamation point at the end of combos. Okay. um, If you you want to do that. Okay, cool. Is that – is it sort of like – I'm thinking of like other games that like you kind of control both a character and a companion. Astral Chain. Astral Chain. Okay. I was going to ask if it was like Kratos and Atreus where you have like a, an Atreus button and you can kind of, it's context specific. No, because. Not so much. Yeah. Because the demons, when you use Demon Slave, you are controlling them. Like Bayonetta is stationary. The only thing you can okay. do with Bayonetta is dodge, but she okay. can't move. Okay. So yeah, you're. You know, you're. That's cool. I like. I like having more control. Then. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So that you know that helps. It. You're. It's not like a uh, rubbing your belly, patting your head kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that. 
so yeah that helps and like i said since you they're not out for very long because they can't be it's you know it kind of mitigates maybe how long they can be maybe be potentially be an issue uh one cool thing that i like too is this thing called demon rampage so every demon has a a, a i guess a health bar technically because they can be killed if they take too much damage and if they're they are they just you can't use them for a temporary period but they also have an anger meter where every time they get hit they get more mad and if you fill that meter demon rampage activates where bayonetta loses control of them and they just storm the field and just indiscriminately attack everything so they can hit you too oh wow that's uh, cool i was gonna say that sounds awesome <laughs> yeah they just go into just rage mode and just start like going off on everything and so it's like another thing you have to keep in mind of like, maybe I don't want to keep this out too long if I'm in a situation where they're just getting the crap beat out of them. <laughs> so you kind of have to be strategic and like pick your spots about like, is this a good time to bring him out? Or is he going to maybe, you know, get his butt handed to him? But I think that's a pretty cool, uh, I guess, like twist for Demon Slave. How do you feel about the pacing of these like kaiju like fighting sections? Just because Bayonetta is such a fast paced you know, kind of butt mashy game. Does it slow down at all or does it feel like it fits within this franchise? It's definitely slower. I think the only time that I really was like took exception to it was there was one section and I mentioned in the cover story where uh, you're in the Shibuya area that we've seen in the, the earlier gameplay trailers. And you're, you do like literally a like straight up Kaiju fight where Gamora is fully summoned and Bayonetta's riding him, and so you're controlling Gamora entirely, and you're fighting another humunguli that's, like, of the same size, and you're kind of just taking slow shots at each other. You can shoot fireballs with uh, Gamora if you want to, but, like, you're doing us on a rooftop, and I remember playing and thinking, like, ooh, this feels, like, way slower than I would like, because, you know, I love these games because of their speed and stuff, and... You know, and, and in general, like, I'm a guy that prefers faster characters than, like, tanky, lumbering characters just in anything. Um, so there is some personal preference there, too. But it did feel clunkier in a way that was a little off-putting. So it, that that's probably one of my biggest concerns is, like, how many of these sections are there like this? And thankfully, it didn't last too long before we got into, like, a more, like, high-speed sort of, like, sliding segment as the city was falling apart and that was pretty entertaining but yeah that that did make me go ooh, oh okay i hope there aren't too many of these or if there are they're not like very long (laughs) but the other cool thing with the demons is demon masquerade where so the weapons in the game for the first time each demon has their own weapon whereas in previous games at least in the lore bayonetta's pistols were tied to madama butterfly but now Gamora has a weapon, for example, for the first time called the G-Pillar. And it's basically this giant hammer that also doubles as a cannon that you can shoot. Okay. <laughs> and so when you equip a weapon, you're also equipping that demon's specific abilities that not only give you that weapon, but also changes how Bayonetta plays. So when you're playing with Madama Butterfly... Her movements are a lot more graceful in general, and she feels a little floatier. I remember the first time I played as her, I was like, okay, she plays the same, but she's her style is just different. And Gamora in the G-Pillar, it's like, okay, she's a little slower, but she's stronger. So you're kind of trading speed for power. And the other thing that this changes is the Beast Within transformation. Uh, Wes, you might remember in the first game, you could turn into a panther to like yeah. run really fast around while you're exploring. 
So it's like an evolution of that where instead of turning into a panther or turning into the crow to like fly and reach higher, you'll assume the form of the demon that you have equipped. So if you're uh, Gamora, Bayonetta kind of turns into like a mini sort of like like a hybrid of the two where she's like a humanoid kind of beast creature. She's got these like giant claw hands and just sort of this like almost like a weird like dragon werewolf looking thing <laughs> if that makes sense but she can uh jump farther she gets like a farther leap and you know in addition to having her claws to attack but she can also uh kind of like scamper up things so it's like good for combat and for exploration because the level design has been revamped where it's bigger and there's more secrets and some things you can't reach without using a demon's exploration ability so the other another demon whose name I'm gonna absolutely bush, butcher is like Phantasmarase. It's basically a giant spider. It looks a lot like the lava spider from the first Devil May Cry. It's pretty much that. But okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you use his weapon, which is they haven't really uh, detailed it yet, but if you've seen in trailers, it looks like a sort of disc that can shoot webs. You can use the weapon itself to immobilize foes and tie them up. But if you use Beast Within, you'll turn into the giant glowy lava spider. And that'll allow you to crawl up walls, which is pretty cool. As well as being able to swing on its web, which you can use to get across gaps or, you know, what have you. So uh, Demon Masquerade has like a lot of combat potential because the other big thing with Bayonetta 3, which I'm happy about, is that they're introducing traditional skill trees for the first time. In previous games, you always had to find a portal to go to the Gates of Hell, which was mm-hmm. the underworld bar that you had to go to buy new moves. It was so it was all you always limited on when you could upgrade Bayonetta because if you you had a bunch of money to spend on skills, but you're like, well, I gotta find a bar so that I can do that. So you're like lugging around a bunch of currency. Now you can upgrade Bayonetta anytime you want because the skill tree is in the menu. And oh, okay. There's multiple skill trees. So there's skill trees for Bayonetta and Viola themselves, but also all of your weapons have individual skill trees. So you can, you know, make G-Pillar or, you know, your pistols better, and that'll unlock new moves for when you're using each for Demon Masquerade. And since you can equip two sets of weapons, which you could do in the previous games, and you can switch between them on the fly, that gives you a lot of options in the heat of combat for, like, combo potential and mixing up your assault so i think that's really cool and i think the skill tree uh will add a lot of like depth as well as convenience just being able to level up anytime you want (laughs) yeah that's cool when i hear like some of these changes having not played the first two it seems like i'm a little intimidated uh by all the terms you've been throwing out (laughs) but then hearing stuff like okay like the skill tree is there to kind of make things a little more convenient for me. And also just seeing like, I, I got to watch that the gameplay of that Marcus was describing where um, you're in like Shibuya uh, and the, the monsters are kind of like fully summoned and like fighting it out through the skyscrapers and stuff. Like that was the moment where I was like, okay, I might need to play this game uh, <laughs> because I, I don't know what I was expecting. It wasn't that, um, and I've watched like Bayonetta before, but the spectacle in this game just seems like on another level from what I've seen previously. But 
yeah, that like kaiju skating down the side of a skyscraper thing. I was like, gets all the right, boats this game on his feet. When he yeah, gets the water yeah. Oh, I forgot it's, about it's that. So yeah, goofy. <laughs> yeah. And then like is using other like crashed skyscrapers as like ramps. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this game looks sick. I think it's worth mentioning too, real quick. Uh, the viola stuff. Yeah, she's the new the newcomer. Yeah. So uh, newcomer, like I said, she's pretty central to the plot. And she plays a lot different than Bayonetta in that she's, uh, because she's not a, a full-fledged Umber Witch, she can't use a bunch of different weapons like Bayonetta can. She can only use her katana, her throwing darts, which are her projectiles in place of pistols. And mm-hmm. she can summon Cheshire, which is her demon cat that basically looks like a demonic anime version of like the Cheshire cat from Alice yeah. in Wonderland. <laughs> um, so... Uh, she no playing as her was interesting because she she's still quick, but she doesn't attack with the same pace as Bayonetta. She's a lot more deliberate because kind of her focus is on raw powers and she's still learning the ropes. She doesn't have the finesse of Bayonetta, so she just hits really hard, which, you know, narratively is like, okay, maybe she has to just focus on just ending fights quickly because she can't really last in a long fight, at least not yet. So she she feels a little bit more deliberate and a little more tactical because her throwing darts you can't uh you know they're unlimited but you can't fire it as off obviously as say as quickly as a, a gun can right so you kind of have to be a little more choosy about when you're going to throw them um and then Cheshire's interesting because because she's not as capable with magic she can summon Cheshire but she can't control Cheshire so when you summon him he just goes and does his own thing he's he, will he attack you as well like, I don't believe so okay but. It's kind of like I use the the Hulk analogy in my cover story of like, you know, the Avengers deal with the Hulk. The best way you can control him is to kind of point him in a direction and say, just go do your thing. Go with God. <laughs> it's kind of like that. We're like, OK, there's a mob of enemies. Cheshire, go that way. And whatever happens, happens. <laughs> just, you know, deal with them. But the benefit of not being able to control him is that you can still control Viola directly. Um you can't fight with the sword because she uses the sword to summon it instead of her hair. So you're barehanded when Cheshire's out, but you can team up with him and just kind of like tag team enemies together. Uh, so that's a big difference with Bayonetta. Uh, I think overall, she seems like an interesting character. I was a little worried about her, like personality wise of like, Oh, she may be a little too tryhardy Cause she's like, you know, the super like punk mm. rock kind of character a little grading maybe yeah like okay like is she gonna be like a poochie-esque figure <laughs> yeah. especially like vastly different from bayonetta but that's by design and she's also like seeing the cutscenes with her she's really goofy she's really scatterbrained she's like she she doesn't try to be as cool as she like looks i guess right um like there are some i noticed some endearing scenes with her where it seems like she's just really trying to like prove herself but a lot of times it doesn't work out and she finds herself in some really silly situations where she's just like i don't know what to do here <laughs> whereas yeah. bayonetta has always been portrayed as a like completely confident elegant character like does a lot of things pretty effortlessly it's kind of fun to have a character that is not that i'd much rather have that than like a punky like know-it-all who's like you know i don't know i just feel like looking at that character hearing you say that is it's heartening because I was expecting like like a just, rebellious like I don't need to listen to you. <laughs> just a lot of cringe, honestly. <laughs> and having characters that, you know, 
have a little more depth to them is is always welcome. Yeah, so she's calling Bayonetta grandma. <laughs> I know how to do this. <laughs> yeah, some somehow for some reason sounds like Joey Wheeler. From the <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, grandma. <laughs> I gotta win the tournament for my <laughs> get my sister's eye surgery. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, anything else about Bayonetta three, Marcus? Before we move on, I know there's a lot to cover. I think real quick, I'll say that you know I only played the game docked. But I ran well on Switch, which I know was a concern. Okay, for yeah. You know, granted, this was the one slice. Who knows? Maybe it falls apart later. But I think it's worth mentioning that the ports of Bayonetta 1 and 2 run excellent on Switch. They run at 60. And I know because I played both of them recently <laughs> for this story. Oh, good. To refresh myself. That's why I said Bayonetta 2 is worth absolutely playing on Switch because it runs like a dream. Uh, so... That combined with the fact that Platinum has been able to work with this system for years now, and even with the Wii U, like they proved that that could run something as frantic as Bayonetta 2 really well. So I'm, you know, we got to see how the full game turns out, but I, I walked away feeling a lot less nervous about that after playing this demo. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. We've got a lot to cover. Marcus, thank you for. For t- taking us through the whole Bayonetta 3 journey, of course, there's a lot more info you can glean from the cover story. Uh, if you head over to GameInformer.com, you can uh, GameInformer.com slash magazine. Um, that will kind of give you the steps to sign up. Uh, you can, of course, go and, you know, if you have a print subscription through Power Up Rewards at GameStop, or if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can go to the iOS app uh, and just download the digital version yourself. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways for you to get the magazine. I highly recommend uh, checking it out um we've had a just an awesome stint of covers uh lately and bayonetta 3 just continues that that uh train right along so um cool let's get into the playlist we've got a lot to cover this week so playlist is going to be a little it's going to be separated me uh marcus and wes are going to talk about gotham knights maybe a little bit more um and then shay is going to join us at the end to talk about overwatch 2 which is I don't know about y'all, but that's like the game I've been playing for the last three weeks. I've been trying so to eager play. to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's get into Gotham Knights. Um, Marcus and Wes and I sat down uh, this morning for a, uh, a new gameplay today. You can go and watch that on the YouTube channel. So I feel like I'm 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 pretty familiar with like the the base mechanics. Um, but yeah, Marcus, take it away. Tell us what we need to know. Maybe. We can dive into a little more. Uh, we we saw a lot of Batgirl in the video footage that we looked at today. Maybe talk about. Uh, I know your piece kind of covered a lot more. Your preview, if you want to kind of uh, take us through that. Yeah. So Gotham Knights. Uh, real quick premise: Batman's dead. It's now up to Red Hood, Nightwing, Batgirl, Robin to fill the void in a game that you can play alone over two-player co-op. The main villains are the Court of Owls, making their video game debut and you're in an open world gotham fighting the owls as well as a few of batman's more classic villains um like you mentioned we've we talked about background or mgt um i played as all four characters during my i played about two and a half hours of the game and some of that was also spent uh playing co-op and i will say uh the game on its own is fine or, or like fun i feel like fine is like throwing shade <laughs> saying it like that <laughs> um i think it, i think it, it's it seems solid so far i have some reservations uh the combat being having a completely different rhythm than the arkham games and maybe being like a less good rhythm is a little concerning for me right now but do you think they are trying to 
and I, I've just seen this this comment, this comment, the sentiment of this comment a couple times now when we talk about Gotham Knights, just from like readers and viewers, is like, will they ever be able to escape the comparisons to Arkham? No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the simple. I mean, and I I don't think that um I mean one they they have a similar visual identity. Uh they're going for a similar thing of like open world Gotham. It's just like even though there's a lot of big differences, it's just like at a glance you're going to be like, "Oh, another Goth or Arkham game, right?" Especially if you're yeah. uh, someone that doesn't follow the industry super closely, you're going to you just look at the screenshots and go like, "Oh, it's like those Batman games I played before." You yeah. Know? How the really good Batman games too. Yeah. So it's like it's just that's just how it is, <laughs> unfortunately. And this is Fair. the team that made Arkham Origins too, you know. Oh cool. So they've they've been involved with the, the franchise. It's always thrown me off how Arkham Knight's ending is very, very similar to the beginning of this game. And I like from the jump, that was that's how I've that's like my biggest struggle with before they said this wasn't an Arkham game, I was like, it has to be an Arkham game. Like it's, that's literally what happens next. It's the and same then, story. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Cause it's the same, but okay. Yeah. And we whatever can, you say, we should once again establish that this game is not connected to the Arkham universe. It's its own separate universe. Uh, whereas like suicide squad is in the Arkham universe, which is Rocksteady's game next year. Question, question. Do you think that they're saying it's not connected in the same way that they, said the Arkham Knight wasn't a certain <laughs> a certain character back in the day. <laughs> to be fair, Rocksteady said that, not WB true, Montreal. True, 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 true. <laughs> yeah, different different studios. I will say, because the big skepticism with this game is if Batman's actually dead. And it was funny because in the beginning of our presentation, Patrick Redding, who's the creative director, started off by tripling down like batman is super dead guys <laughs> like there's no twist he, he didn't reference arkham knight but he seemed that seemed to be where the sentiment was coming from the way he was saying it of like there's no twist there's no like surprise or anything like batman is super <laughs> dead in this <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised have we seen the beginning to this game yet no and we still don't know how batman died yet that's still the big mystery of like what actually i wonder him. if for like one mission we play as batman and kind of like dies. a prologue yeah because like i feel like they're gonna need to you can't just start it off with like a. I mean i guess you could just like a cutscene of batman dying just be kind of random uh and like i don't know i'm very curious how they're gonna start it off and i feel like if there is a batman you know cameo or like you get to play as batman it will be at the beginning of the game because they've also said and you've, you've talked about this, Marcus, on the NGT of that when you're walking around, the citizens of the town will be talking about, like, you know, the death of Batman or whatever. And and like they don't really trust the Gotham Knights or whatever. And they're all kind of worried. And as you go throughout the game and the the Bat kids like prove themselves, you know, that sentiment changes. And it would kind of be like it would kind of go be antithetical to the whole premise of the story, which is like this, you know, these three uh you know trainees for lack of a better word kind of becoming into themselves and like becoming the new heroes it would be like kind of deflating to be like nah just kidding batman's back at the end and that's what they said they were like we wanted to find us we wanted a story that would uh allow us to kind of the freedom to like disrupt gotham and are like the best way to do that is to take away batman <laughs> and so it would kind of like 
you know, go against the whole premise of what we're trying to do if Batman came back. You know, he's yeah. still, obviously he's still referenced. And there was like a couple scenes where you see, like the only time I ever actually saw Batman was like in a training sequence. But it's like, it's not like a flashback or anything. It's like, hey, I'm learning a new move. And like Batman just happens to be the person teaching you, you yeah. know? And that's that's like it. It's like maybe a virtual simulation of him maybe, but like. They could also start it off where like at the beginning of the game, it's like the ensemble. Uh, and then right before the mission starts, Batman shows up and there, and that's like the the little cameo ge- that you get. And then uh, the Gotham Knights go and do a mission with him. And during the maybe you aren't even controlling Batman. Maybe he's just kind of like your sidekick, for lack of a better word, <laughs> kind of like an NPC helping you out through the mission. And then maybe he dies during that mission. Yeah, it's going to be like the it's going to have the emotional impact of the beginning of The Last of Us. I yeah, <laughs> I remember when this got announced that. I remember seeing a video of like Batman dying or Batman was in the reveal trailer and I just looked it up and in the DC fandom event in 2020, the world premiere trailer starts with him in the Batcave, and his death is caused by a freak accident that resulted in him destroying the entire facility with him inside, according Hmm. to these stories. But I I remember seeing in the video, like him talking to them being like, I'm going to be dead. Or if you're listening to this, it's because I'm dead type of thing. I'm planning to die, guys. Yes. <laughs> well, if then maybe he's not dead. All right. Maybe that if he if he he lives himself, in all of us. That's the if that's he the kills thing. himself. I don't know if I believe it. The real Batman was the knights that we formed along the way. <laughs> the Gotham's like I was thinking there was going to be a scene where like we see like. I don't know, like Batman gets stabbed and like a lot. That'd be lame. Like it's very just clear he can't survive. <laughs> one stab. He gets stabbed enough. a lot. It'd be a lame way to die. He just gets shanked by a random guy in the street. <laughs> but like a lot of times. Um, oh, like, it's like, okay, okay, he's dead. If you tell me Batman blew himself up in the Batcave, I'm like, yeah, sure, bud. Sure he did. He's got a contingency for that. <laughs> yeah, he's got... Hmm. I, I don't buy yeah, it now. I did forget. That, about, I had flip flopped completely on that. Yeah. I mean, I had a theory that I've stayed on the GI show many times that maybe it won't be true now regarding the Court of Owls and Batman's death. But um, I forgot about that little uh, nugget, Wes. So I'm glad you brought that up. But even then, it's still kind of vague about like yeah, what, yeah. Why what caused the, the freak accident where you had to blow it up with you inside. Yeah. Just like some bad wiring. Just fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the big things I wanted to spell right away uh, regarding this game that people are afraid of is that this is definitely not a clone of Marvel's Avengers. This is not even the same sort of game, which they've said from the beginning. But I think people that are a little bit more uh, trepidatious about this game keep making that comparison because of the like multiplayer nature and like because it has loot. They're like, oh, it's just they're they're doing the same mistake of Marvel's Avengers. This is not a live service game. This is literally Arkham City. If you had the ability to play with another person at any time. Do you feel that like it's missing anything if I decided to play single player the entire time? No. And I asked that from like a narrative standpoint, because I was asking one, why it was only two players instead of just four players, you know, like everyone thought oh, yeah. it would be. I forgot about that. And, and uh, the game, I forget his name, but the uh, talk to the gameplay team and the creative director said that they experimented with four players, but because this is a story focused game, first and foremost, they felt like having four people play together kind of got in the way of that because it just feels like you're just going to be socializing and like treating it like marvel's avengers or like a destiny right and that makes it harder to sort of like absorb the story or like tell the sort of a big story they want so they're like two players was the sweet spot 
for that, you know, where you can still care about like all the like attention we're putting into the script because, you know, yeah. So like, yes, you can absolutely play this game solo. And what's cool about the game is that, you know, since you can switch between any hero at any time. And what's nice is that every hero also, when you level up, all the heroes level up with you, kind of like RPG style of like, oh, if you're not using them, they still get points. And then when you switch them, you'll just spend them to get their upgrades caught up. Um, so you can stick to, with one character throughout the game or, you know, switch regularly. But uh, all the pivotal cutscenes are tailored to each character. So they do change depending on like who you're playing. So I played the I went I played the Harley Quinn scene that we saw in the trailer where you visit her in, in Blackgate. Um and I played as Batgirl and when they had their conversation, it's like, oh, this is very Batgirl specific, you know. Cause you yeah. know, she's referencing her, she's calling her like names, and like, oh, let's have some girl talks. So I asked them, like, what's the difference if I go as like Robin? And they were like, Oh yeah, it'll change not only the dialogue, but like the cinematography changes too. Like the camera might, you know, it might be shot different and stuff like it'll still be the same gist like narratively in terms of the, you know but the interaction will be completely different because robin for example in this universe has never met harley like she's been locked up or out of the picture for his time as robin so they don't have any history with each other so hmm. that'll change their relationship you know if you decide to do her stuff with him um but this also isn't one of those games that you need to play as everyone to get the full story. I asked that straight up. They're like, you will get everything with one playthrough if you decide you only want to stay with one character. Okay. You'll, you'll miss out on little, like, interactions, but, like, you'll okay, you'll yeah. get, you know what I mean? Like, especially the stuff yeah. in the Belfry if you don't decide to talk to everyone and get their relationship building scenes and stuff. But you'll get the, the main story just fine if you're like, I just want to be Nightwing and that's it. And I don't want to play with anyone else, <laughs> you know? With you having played all four, do you have one that you're like probably going to stick with mostly? And then do you have one where you're like, I'm not really interested in playing with this character at all? My least favorite of the four was Red Hood. uh, Because I I mentioned this with Bayonetta that I'm not as big a fan of like lumbering tank characters. And that's sort of his role in the team. He's the like powerhouse guy. And he was the one that I just had the least fun using. He felt like the shooting and stuff with him was like okay, but like not like amazing. You know, you can go into like a straight up like over the shoulder third person shooting mode with him. And I was like, yeah, this is fine, but it's not really what I want from these games, like these Batman games. I just want to more just beat the crap out of people and <laughs> use cool gadgets. And he seems like the character that like least belongs in this ensemble. Everything from like what you're talking about with like his gameplay, but also like his weird super jump where he just like, they're like, I don't know so what fun. to give him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was, and it was funny because that his traversal was the least fun for me to use because they each have their own way of getting around a city. Barbara can glide. Nightwing has his like weird green goblin guider that he's writing wrong because he's underneath it. He should really be on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, tim robin has like a teleport thing but he has that like lazarus pit it like mystical leap that yeah you have okay. to kind of time it's kind of like almost like they're going for like a hulk thing of like you have to keep hitting r2 right when you land on your phantom jump launch pad to keep going and it just felt like kind of at least for me work because i was like i'm gonna 
I did a thing of like I'm gonna cross Gotham Bay to the other side of the city. I watched that. I watched that in your gameplay. Did you see how like, rough yeah. it was when I? Ended I the saw game? how it ended. Yeah, because I was trying to get the cadence down of like what's the yeah. right way to do this. At first, I didn't realize that it was your footage. I thought it was like PR B roll. I was like, why in the world would they have somebody do this? Like, and, then, and then they fell into the water, and I was like, wait, is this Marcus? I definitely had a weird because a PR person was right next to me watching me as like sort of my handler, and I was wondering what she was thinking of like, why is he going out of his way to try to do this? But I wanted so to, to test it, and it was one I was like, this is fine once you get the rhythm down, but it just like it just feels like work where like Barbara's like, okay, glide, just hold the button and glide like you do in the Arkham games. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I mean, narratively, I think narratively in general, like that's what I'm most excited for. This game is the story. I'm a big fan of the Court of Owls uh, storyline from 10 years ago now. Um, and I think the relationship stuff with the Knights is what's exciting to me. And they also tease that Red Hood in particular, that there's some cool plot stuff with him that they were very cagey about talking about. But they seem like because I asked like out of the four who's the one that you really had the most fun sort of like creating or writing. And they all said Red Hood. So, you know, Red Hood's a cool character. I like Red Hood. I think he fits on the team because like, obviously he's a former Robin. So it's like, it makes sense to happen. Yeah. There, yeah. Just know? the gameplay. It just felt like he, they were trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. I, I get that. He has to be different from the other three because otherwise then why, why have him if he, if he doesn't feel like his own, guy i think he's maybe not for me but i think he'll speak for like other players i i'm trying to, i think it's more of a personal preference for me personally at least for now we need to see how he evolves you know with his skills or stuff but my two favorites that i walked away were for robin and batgirl because robin's a lot uh more geared for stealth and i tend to play these games stealthy like when i sneak into a place i try to stay quiet and do the batman fantasy of like yeah. i'm gonna spook these guys and they're gonna be like what's going on our dudes are disappearing um his abilities are kind of encourage that and then batgirl uh she's the one that plays the most traditional like i guess batman out of the bunch you know if you want the character that's the closest batman analog it's definitely her so yeah and nightwing's fun too i, I have no like issues with nightwing but yeah uh, Batgirl and Robin were the two. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to start with one of these two when I get the game. Yeah, I think Batgirl, I might just play the whole thing as her. You can. We'll yeah. see, though. Yeah, we'll just see. Just make it a Batgirl game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Batgirl and her knights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, cool. Anything else before we get Brian Shane here to talk about Overwatch? Uh, no. I'd say overall, I have some reservations about certain things about Gotham Knights, but there were other things that... I think we're pretty cool. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm most excited to get the story of this game uh, or to absorb it. And yeah, I think it's, at least I hope that, I think it's going to be maybe better than some people or at least detractors are maybe giving it credit for. But we shall see on October 21st. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get Brian Shea in here. Uh, we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody, to the Game Informer show. Now, Wes had to go ahead and uh, go play a game he was reviewing, so he had to get out of here. But in his place, Brian Shea, our online content director, is here to talk all things Overwatch 2. The game is finally out. Well, the PvP portion of it. I think they're technically titling it Early Access. 
uh, but it's the full PvP experience. Uh, we've got three new characters, Sojourn, Kiriko, and um, Junker Queen, new maps, a new mode called Push. A lot of stuff. We're going to get into it with Shay. Uh, but you reviewed this uh, this game for us, Shay. What did you give it? I gave it a 9 out of 10. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I would agree. It's a really good game. Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but a lot of people have kind of, there's it's a weird and interesting game, this release. Um, for a lot of reasons, it's very similar to Overwatch One. It feels, you know, a lot of people are saying it's like a update 1.5, and I definitely see the where people get that from. But personally, I think a lot of the changes kind of um, transform it into a totally new experience, um, uh, namely the five versus five format. A lot of the heroes have been reworked. It just feels like a new experience, and uh, it, in my opinion, I've been thinking about this for. Since I've, since I guess the summertime when the betas first started coming up, Overwatch Two I think is the best Overwatch has been in in years easily. Um, I think it's 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 really good. But Shay, let's let's hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think you touched on the biggest thing, which is the five v five. I think that it makes it so every player is more important than they were before, and it makes it so that the engagements that happen are a lot faster paced. I feel like. Um, you you know I, I've noticed at least in my time playing in the, uh, the early access servers that we we got to participate in as members of the press, there were a lot more team kills in that because you know there's five players to to kill off. I haven't noticed as many team kills in the post launch server, so maybe it was just some of the media members weren't up to snuff. But I think that <laughs> it was it, it just seems like it it every single player is more important this time around which does make me worry for like we've all had those overwatch experiences where one of your teammates is just kind of messing around and like waving at the other team or like dancing off in the corner jumping off the the cliff all the time i'm hoping that because of this shift to 5v5 instead of 6v6 that doesn't become even more debilitating when you're down uh, an even larger percentage of your your team. Now you're down 20% if one of your teammates decides to just mess around. Yeah, hope not because that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we don't play Overwatch t- uh, together, Marcus. But I think that that is a uh, an underestimated or underrated uh, shift for Overwatch 2. That said, the matches still do very much play out the same way. Like, you know, there's it's still the, the capture... Uh, modes or the uh, the kind of the the escorting the payload modes, um, those are still very much intact. Those are still the same, but the push mode is a completely different mode. It's it's kind of like a a, uh, a payload that can go both directions. That's the way I would describe uh, push, where there's a robot in the middle who pushes a barricade. And basically you, goalposts on each end. Yeah. And you have to escort your, uh, the robot to their payload before they can escort or their, you have to ro- escort their, your, the robot to their base before they can escort the robot to your base. And it swings back and forth quickly. So it starts off where he's pushing, a like a wall and it's very slow when he's pushing that wall. But if he starts going the other direction, because the other team is escorting him in their direction now, uh, he will run back to wherever it was last, like the last furthest point. So it's not like, oh, we lost all of our progress. Now it's kind of like uh, you pick up where you left off, essentially. Like it, it's not completely like you don't warp back to that spot, but the robot will sprint back to that spot. So it's not like you lose all your progress if the other team gets to 
push the payload back towards your base. And of course, yeah. because they're pushing it towards your spawn point, it's harder and harder because you're spawning and you're immediately right there if it's coming up on on the, the point. So it's uh, it's a good mode. I, I have a lot of fun with it. I still am kind of trying to learn the best strategies to, to equip during that. But yeah, and, and then the uh, the other thing is you mentioned this with the new heroes and the new maps and the new battle uh, or the new the new reworks for the characters. I think that those also play a bigger role in this. I, I'm having a blast with Kiriko and Sojourn. I think those actually might be two of my uh, my favorite characters to play in a long time. Uh, Kiriko is a very good healer. Um, she also has the kunai, which are that's her left trigger. That's her her. I think it's her sole damage. Deal. It is. It's her sole direct damage dealing uh, ability, and it's kind of hard to hit in a precise manner. But if you do, like if you get a headshot with that, it is pretty deadly. Um, yeah, and then she kind of falls in with like Genji and Hanzo in that way. Like you aren't going to be like you know doing a ton of damage uh, unless you're hitting your your shots. Yeah, if you if you hit somebody with a a, a crit with Kiriko's uh, kunai. Then you're gonna start getting some uh, some pretty good damage there, and I, I've definitely gotten some some kills from that. Uh, I've actually latched on during the pre-release uh, play times that we had. I was playing Kiriko a lot, and then at near the end of like the pre-release, like just before we published our review or I, I published my review, I started playing some Sojourn, and that is carried into the uh, the live servers. That now that they're working again for me at least. The live servers, I have carried my love for Sojourn into them, and she plays great. Like the way that she almost feels like a a hybrid of like Soldier seventy six with like her railgun and kind of some of the mobility stuff. Instead of sprinting, you know, she's able to slide and then she can jump real high off that slide, which just feels so good. Um, and then uh, she also can, when she's shooting, it has like this charge meter almost. Um, similar to like Zarya, where like only instead of it's when you like receive damage, it's when you deal damage. This uh, this reticle charge meter counts up to one hundred, and when it's at one hundred, you can unleash this really devastating charge shot using the left trigger, and that is similar to Soldier seventy six as well. But it uses like a charge mechanic similar to Zarya, and I've had some really great success, like just blowing away uh, like other characters with a, a headshot of that charge shot when it's all the way at a hundred mm, like yeah. and, then, and then her alt makes it so that she fires faster and uh the charge shot charges faster so like you can really like i've, I've gotten like triple and quadruple kills with sojourn in these uh these early days of playing overwatch but that said there are some things that we need to, to talk a little bit about um that maybe aren't the best and that is the uh the monetization and the launch of overwatch 2 which you know i think that a lot of people are maybe by the time they're listening to this podcast are dealing with the problems of overwatch 2's launch which is just the absurdly long queue times the servers being down and um the fact that you know some of the account migrations seem to have not worked super well i know that yeah my all of my skins are gone i put a thousand hours oh. into overwatch one and i don't have any of my skins and i didn't I'm trying to figure out if there's a way I can get them back, um, but it also might just be a glitch from the uh, the fact that the servers are still experiencing some problems, even though I'm able to play. That will be fixed, yeah, though, right? It's not like they're just gone forever. Yeah, they've publicly said they're working on that. That is like a mass problem. Yeah, I've reached out to PR to see, like, hey, like, is this something that I'm... Am I ever going to get these back again? Because, like, 
that's also one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's all cosmetic, but I really put a lot of time into getting those. That as much as I love Overwatch, like that might be one of those things where it's like, I feel less encouraged to play right now because I've lost all of the stuff that I did in Overwatch 1 and that was like one of the main selling points was all of your stuff's going to carry over into Overwatch 2. So hopefully there's a way that it can get fixed and uh, I, I've hit up PR to see if there's any like reason, like any any reason that people should be discouraged. And if they come back and say, yeah, like it's all lost, which I don't expect they will. I expect they are going to figure out a way to fix this. Then, yeah, we'll report on that, obviously. But I think right now it's just the server growing pains. Um, and also the fact that according to Mikey Barra, who, you know, former Xbox guy, current, I think he's the current president of Blizzard. He said that they are experiencing. They've just they've had multiple DDoS attacks on their servers around launch, which you know isn't isn't a great thing for any company to deal with, especially when it's these servers were probably going to get hammered either way. Thanks in large part to the fact that everybody was coming back to to try out Overwatch Two right when it launched it at uh, noon Pacific yesterday um, or or Wednesday, yeah. or whatever day where this is. I don't even know. I've lost track of what day we're. Do we on. know who's uh, responsible for that? Is or is that just? like no one's come out and be like haha it was me i don't know if there's ever been like uh, i mean sometimes people do come out and take claim or take uh take credit for it but i i don't think anybody is has come out as of this recording but the other thing that i did want to talk about was the uh the the battle pass so this is the big thing like they've transitioned from loot boxes in overwatch one which was a premium title you had to pay 60 dollars at launch and i mean obviously there were sales and price reductions over the course of its of its six-year lifespan, but now uh, it's a free-to-play game in Overwatch 2, which you know you can just jump right in, download. It's cross-play, cross-progression once everything is working, presumably. And then um, the loot, the, the loot boxes, the loot. Yeah, well, I guess the loot boxes are gone, and in its place are battle passes, and these operate on a nine-week seasonal structure. And you have uh, these different tiers that you go through as you play. There's challenges that you can complete. There's daily, weekly, monthly, seasonal, lifetime challenges you complete. And each time you complete a challenge, it gives you experience towards those those battle pass tiers. And also, I think just playing matches in general gives you experience, much in the way that it did for Overwatch 1, where you would just level up as you went. And now it's like... Uh, that experience funnels into the battle pass. So that's good. That it's just, it's stuff that you would probably be doing anyway. It's like one for like, you know, Oh, get like a triple kill either through like triple kills or through triple kill assist, um, win games as a DPS, win games as a support, stuff like that. So it's yeah. stuff that you're probably going to be doing anyway. It's not like you have to go out of your way. The only ones that I saw, it's like you have to play like 10 matches or win 10 matches in arcade, which now that they've moved Mystery Heroes out of arcade and into quick play, I'm kind of less inclined to play arcade modes. But, I mean, if it's a big... I haven't looked at like what exactly the experience uh, reward is, but maybe I'll make a point to just like spend an evening playing some arcade, and that way I can get that if it's if it's really that big of, a, of an experience boost. But the thing that is maybe not great about this Battle Pass is that the free track is not super great it's i believe it's ten dollars to buy the premium which is it's relatively inexpensive i've played games that they charge you twenty dollars they charge you even more than that for a battle pass and they happen at a much quicker frequency uh for this it's every nine weeks which you know is just over two months and um if you don't do the free if you or if you don't do the premium you do the free one 
you unlock the hero at a much later stage. So premium battle pass, you drop the drop the money to get the premium battle pass, you get Kiriko right off the bat. She is the battle pass hero for this this season. If you don't, you have to wait till level 55 of the battle pass to unlock Kiriko, which that is a pretty steep thing considering like how slow it's moved. I have the premium battle pass for for this season. And you get a 20% XP boost as a part of the premium battle pass. And it's already going, it's going at a decent clip, but 55 is going to take a while to get to, right? Several weeks. Yeah. Especially if your friends already have it and you're like the one, like the one loser that's like, I still don't have Kiriko guys, sorry. <laughs> and maybe like you need, like Kiriko would be a great compliment to your team comp and you just... You yeah. just can't fill it, which stinks. The good news is that if you play custom games, um, I don't know how competitive is working because I haven't had a chance to play competitive, but at least in custom servers, you get access to the heroes. You get access to all the heroes. Um, um, she is currently not available in competitive for anybody. So we'll have to wait. I think it's two to three weeks until they'll unlock her because they want people to, to learn to play her before being able to play her in rank. So I haven't played any ranked because I haven't played enough. Because uh, my progress from pre-release didn't transfer over as one of the uh, the quirks of the, the current server issues. Um, that we, we were originally told that the, our progress would transfer over, but competitive was not available in the pre-release, and uh, I've not played enough post-release to unlock competitive. So that is currently my situation. Um, so I haven't had a chance to check out competitive, but. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that all heroes are unlocked, including the Overwatch One ones. That if so, that's another thing. If you haven't played Overwatch One at all, you have to unlock the roster from Overwatch One. You start off with uh, 12 characters on your, unlocked from Overwatch One. If you start a fresh save file in Overwatch Two, having never played Overwatch One, you get Winston, Orisa, Reinhardt, Zarya as tanks. Damage is Reaper, Soldier 76, Torbjorn, Farah, Tracer and Widowmaker, and then support is Lucio, Moira, and Mercy. And the theme I see there is that they're all relatively basic heroes to play as. Like, Reaper and Soldier 76 are super easy, super easy to learn in terms of uh, overall difficulty. Uh, Torbjorn is pretty easy to, to pick up and play. You can just throw down a turret. Um, Tracer, you know, it's the game mascot, so it makes sense that she would be the... Uh... And then, like, the other characters, they just, like... Mercy is as basic of a support character as you can get. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. And then each time you reach different milestones of matches played, you unlock a new hero from the Overwatch 1 roster. So, like, I think I played one match on the uh, the the non-Overwatch. It was just, like, a, a Smurf account basically created by Blizzard so I could check out what the new player experience was for purposes of the review. And after I won one match, I got Genji, I believe. So it, it it does dole them out as you play, and then um, up to 130 matches. So, like, I think Wrecking Ball is the final character that you unlock from the Overwatch 1 roster, and that is 130 matches played, but uh, wins count as double. So if you win a match, that bumps you up to two automatically. So it, it's not going to be 130 matches, cause, unless you lose every single one, which... In which case, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so a, a perfect a perfect streak then would be sixty ish. Yeah, sixty five win or so, yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's that's uh, never going to happen. <laughs> if you're amazing and your team's amazing, <laughs> so it uh, and it does make sense because it does prevent people from cheating and then be like, oh well, it's a free to play game now, so I'll just create a new account under a new address or a new email address or a new phone number or whatever. 
and it also gives uh, new players who've never played Overwatch 1 before uh, the ability to not be overwhelmed and be able to focus on just a smaller pool of heroes to learn. And then you unlock a new character and you're like, oh, well, now I'll learn that character maybe. So I think there there are some good things behind it, but I'm also very glad I don't have to do it as somebody who played a thousand hours in Overwatch 1. Better to be overwatched than overwhelmed, right? All right. Well, thanks for having me, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. And there's also like, I guess you have to have a smartphone for the two-factor authentication or something. Yeah. That's a new thing that Blizzard put in uh, as of this week. Um, Wait, what? Where you need to have a, a, you need to have authenticated. I think that's also a part of kind of like their anti-cheat measures and also trying to make it so that people don't hijack your account or something but you have to link a phone number to your battle.net account and then be authenticated that way um do you have to do that every time you log in or no is no. One? Oh, okay i was no. gonna say like what <laughs> no at least not not yet i've logged in a couple times on pc and i think they just want you to have they i guess you know it's to prevent you know people signing up for a bunch of accounts right and um you know yeah because they're, they're, they're preventing sort of... prepaid phones which uh, I'm seeing a lot of people are saying that's really preventing them from playing because a lot of a lot of other countries, the U.S. is very uh, very set in like postpaid phones is what the the term that Blizzard is using where it's like right all right I've had my iPhone for a year and a half now and it's it's something that I, I'm it's not like I pay as I go you know where a lot of other countries do use uh, prepaid phones where it has a set number of minutes loaded into it or set number of data loaded into it. But then you just get a new phone when that, those, those minutes are late or up or you reload it uh, with minutes or, or data as you go. So those are more popular in other countries and it's causing a problem for people in those countries from what I, what I see online. Yeah. It seems like a weird oversight. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully they get that addressed soon. Uh, Kotaku has a great uh, feature on it, kind of interviewing people from the community and kind of like their unique situations and and like the yeah like the unforeseen problems this has brought up. So hopefully it gets fixed soon. Um, if you're one of those people, we're sorry. Uh, good news is you know when you do get to play the game eventually, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we ended on kind of a sour note there with, like, the battle pass and the server issues and the authentication weirdness. But it overall is a very good game. Like, I don't want that to get lost in the shuffle. Like, it's it, it's a it's a really fun evolution uh, or iteration of the core Overwatch experience. It The new mode is a lot of fun, even though I stumbled all over myself when explaining what it was. Uh, the new heroes <laughs> are all great. Um, I'm still learning how the hell do I be an effective junker queen but like sojourn and kiriko i am having some really great matches i got my first uh overwatch 2 play of the game and i, I with uh sojourn and oh nice yeah so I, I her alt just it, it if you use her alt effectively like you can just wreck basically the entire other team i didn't realize it sped up your fire rate as well i thought it was just the railgun or maybe it's um, the uh, the the damage rate or something, but like I was just something un- yeah. goes up, yeah. But Kiriko's huh. uh, Kiriko's alt is also a really great one to to play off of other people with. Uh, oh, if you have a Zenyatta with a Kiriko, oh my god, yeah, it's so funny because her alt like Zenyatta just like <laughs> yeah. So her alt speeds up everything basically. It speeds up your cooldowns. Everybody who so she just lays out like basically like some gates, uh, some like Japanese t- uh, temple gates. And um, 
anybody who's in that path gets increased movement speed, increased firing speed, and also increased cooldown speed. So it's really, really powerful, and like you can really completely wreck a, a team. Like if you have all of your teammates in a row there, and if you sync it up with some other alts, like it, it could like imagine syncing up Kiriko's alt with like Soldier Seventy Six's alt. Like that would just be completely devastating to the team. Have this uh, this auto lock on like the the aimbot Soldier Seventy Six alt combined with Kiriko's, where it's like your your cooldowns and your uh, your movement and your firing rate is all increased. Like that's just extremely powerful. Um, I can't wait to see like what combinations other people come up with with that. For sure. Um, anything else we should cover before we let you get out of here, Shay? No, I'm actually. So I'm hoping like once like these server issues are stabilized and I have all my skins back and and all that stuff, I'm hoping to check it out on the other platforms as well. I've, I reviewed the game on PC. I've been playing on Xbox. I really want to see how it runs on Switch. I'm never gonna play it in handheld mode because it just it doesn't feel good to play Overwatch in handheld mode. But I do want to check out just how it runs on Switch, which I've not had a chance to do yet. I've downloaded it onto my Switch, but that's that's the extent of how far I've gotten. Cool. Well, uh, Shay's going to get out of here. He's got a lot more work to do. Me and Marcus are going to round out the listener emails and uh, answer a few questions. Shay, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you later. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's just me and Marcus, the two lonesome cowboys riding into the sunset together. Uh, with our with our emails, this is me twirling set. the rope. See, yes, Marcus is twirling his lasso. Uh, we've got our you know our saddlebags are full of you know supplies, rice, you know beans, horse food, apples, uh, and our our smartphones. Uh, we're cowboys with smartphones, and we have access to Discord, riding off into the sunset, as well as emails. Um, but before we before we get to to answering listener emails. Where we're riding to the sunset, we remember, well, god darn it, we forgot to do our housekeeping, Marcus. Well, I guess we gotta go get that done. Yeah, good thing it's only a two-hour horse ride from here. I guess we gotta turn around and go back to housekeeping. <laughs> That's my favorite part of Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> yeah, me too. And then, like, we pet the, the horse. It's like, it's a good girl. Mm. Find yeah. someone that loves you the way Arthur loves his horse. Yeah. Uh, housekeeping this week. Uh, we don't have a new podcast review. We have the the well has been emptied. The the you know we went to go get it some fresh Gatorade out of the the container after the football game, and we press in the button to pull the Gatorade down, and it's empty. I guess yeah, we lost no. that game because the the Gatorade's still there and hasn't been dumped in the coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so no new podcast review this week. If you want to go and leave us one, uh, you can do so over on Apple Podcasts. We are very appreciative. If you do that, it helps us out a lot. Uh, make sure you leave an honest review. We like them to be positive, but more than anything, be honest. Um, it does help us out and helps new listeners find out if they want to listen to our show. Um, weekly Twitch streams. We are still doing Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. An announcement about that. We have started uploading those replay episodes, those super replay episodes from Metal Gear Rising Revengeance onto our second YouTube channel. If you go to our main YouTube channel that a lot of you are probably subscribed to, uh, on the homepage just underneath our featured video, you should see a link to our second channel. It's just called Game Informer Shows. 
Um, and uh, you can go click that and you'll see our episodes of the audio only GI show as well as uh, stream archives. So go make sure you subscribe there. Uh, I think we just hit a thousand subscribers, which is pretty cool. I just kind of like started that channel on a whim uh, to find a place to kind of house some of our longer shows because without going too inside baseball, uh, YouTube doesn't really like the super long form stuff these days and it kind of hurts our SEO. So uh, having a second channel is kind of the best of both worlds. We've got a place where everyone who wants the long stuff um, like GI shows and, and streams can go and check that out. And we can also have, you know, uh, our, our channel in a healthy spot, but you know, YouTube's always changing. So you never know what's happens next. Maybe we'll start a, a third and a fourth channel, you know, that that's not happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, youtube.com slash game informer. Uh, I will work on getting a custom URL set up for the second channel. We've hit the, we've hit everything we need to hit for that. So I'll make sure I'll make sure that happens. But, uh, if you want to follow the crew this week on social media, you can follow Marcus at Marcus Stewart seven. You can follow Wes at LeBlanc West or LeBlanc. Yeah. LeBlanc West. And you can follow Brian Shea at Brian P. Shea. Lastly, you can follow me, Alex Van Aken at it's Van Aken. Don't forget to go and listen to our other podcast, all things Nintendo, which is our weekly Nintendo news show hosted by Brian Shea. And lastly, shout out to Matt, AKA DJ Stormageddon for helping edit this show. We do pay them. But, uh, you know, it just really helps us out and we want to thank them. Make sure to go check out their their shows, uh, the Fun and Games podcast and uh, the Reignite podcast, which is a Mass Effect podcast. All right, let's get into listener emails. You can send those to podcast at GameInformer.com or join our official community Discord by subscribing on Twitch and going to the Game Informer show channel in Discord and leaving your question there. Every week I do a call for questions and, uh, you know, pull the ones that make the most sense. Thank you if you were one of those people that left one. All right, Marcus. Chris McDowell emails us asking, with the success of Shredder's Revenge and uh, the TLC put into Cowabunga Collection, bringing the Ninja Turtles back to the gaming zeitgeist, do you think we could ever receive four-player open-world-style Team NT, uh game? Sort of like the upcoming Gotham Knight style where each turtle has different methods of traversal and play differently. Or even a Diablo style top-down dungeon crawler. Thanks and keep up the good work. What do you think, Marcus? You're a big TMNT fan. I would love either of those. I think both of those options sound fantastic. If I had to wager which one was more likely in terms of a mainstream sense, it'd probably be the like the, the former, the sort of Gotham Knights style game. Uh, ideally you would get to play as all four turtles in that case. But yeah, I, it's one of those things I'm on one hand, I'm a little surprised it hasn't happened already. Cause it's like right there. Uh, and you know, TMNT will never not be a like popular IP, but then at the same time, I guess it's like, well, yeah, but then TMNT does go through bouts of like, even if it's still like popular, you know, it, it ebbs and flows in terms of like how popular it is is there a movie that's come out recently you know we're pretty far removed from the the michael bay stuff at this point and there hasn't really been anything since then outside of like whatever animated show is going on nickelodeon right now but i i one of the things i am hoping with the success of shredder's revenge and i guess the cowabunga collection too is that that lights a fire for like a publisher to be like you know these are cool and all but what if we did something like bigger than this you know you know, it'd be really cool is um, give 
slow clap the IP developers Ooh. of Sifu. Yeah. And have them create like a a game in that vein, but with TMNT. Yeah. And that could be really cool. Because like the structure of that game is very much, you know, uh, going through clubs, fighting people. But at the end, there's like this this big bag character you're trying to take out. And that would play well with like the all of the, the awesome characters in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe. Or what about this or, wild idea? What if you gave it hmm. to NetherRealm and they made a Shaolin Monks game, but it was oh. TMNT? Because they have already worked with the Turtles because they were guest characters yeah. in Injustice 2. So what if they were like, hey, let's just, you know, I know you guys like our beat-em-ups and you want a new Shaolin Monks. What if you throw a little curveball and it's TMNT instead? Yeah. That's a good idea. But yeah, I, I don't think that's out of the out of the question, Chris. I think, you know, both of those games have kind of hit at a great time this summer and got a lot of I think got a lot of people happy and excited yeah. uh, for those sorts of games. And, you know, it's that's it's been a minute. And I think, you know, hopefully the people with the money are looking at that and, you know, might want to throw some of their monopoly money at that. Um, yeah. We'll what, see, was, though. what was the last one of those closest to that? Was it Platinum's Turtles game that wasn't very good? Yeah. 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 That was forever ago, too. Yeah. You know, um, well, like 10 years ago. I don't know if it was that long ago, but it's probably push. It's probably pushing a decade at this point. Yeah, <laughs> if, it, if it isn't already, it feels like it's been a while. Maybe it's only been five or six years. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but thanks for the question, Chris. Mike Boyle also emailed us uh, saying hello, everyone at Game Informer. I love everything you guys do, especially the podcast. It always makes me feel like friends about games and stuff. So keep it up. Uh, my question, though, yes, if you could pick any game universe and have it try a different genre. What would it be and why? Mm, that's interesting. Do you have an answer, Alex? Uh, pick any game universe and have it try a different genre. This is, I I will say, um, I'm while, while I think about my answer, I really think it's awesome what Dead by Daylight did and how they created a dating simulator. I think oh, that's right. so freaking funny. That's out now, right? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's the same people that did the Colonel Sanders dating. Right. Scene, I'm not <laughs> <is>. Mistaken. <laughs> um, man, uh, I feel like you'd have to go for a character rich or maybe something like. I'm thinking because Mario is the king of this, right? Oh, I have my I have my idea. Oops, sorry. My, no, no, my no. Phone's no. just unplugged. Oh, was so <laughs> he was so the Eureka <laughs> was so strong. It's in his headphones I, flying. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to design a Pokemon themed city builder where you build a new region for prospective trainers to explore. You'll build gyms, towns, and attractions with the help of specialized Pokemon for the job. But first, you must attract the necessary Pokemon by cultivating biomes. Uh, and for a fun multiplayer mechanic, if you want, you can send the best trainers you've cultivated to other players' regions to battle and train and kind of track their progress. Uh, maybe even bring back new Pokedex entries for species you can research or try to attract it in your, you know, region that you built. Wow. That's actually, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. bad that it's going to get stolen and you're not going to get any money from it. It's uh, like too I, good. Hey, if they, if they make it, I, I hope. Special thanks, Alex Van Aken's tweet. You yes, know? I want to build, you can build the road to Viridian City. You don't have to just run it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, oh, yeah, that's really good. That's gonna be hard to top. I don't know. I'm trying to think because I feel like there's been so many good ones. Like I think of like Gears Tactics being a really great example of taking something and 
turning it on its head, but it like being good. Maybe if you did like, uh, I feel like the go-to solution is just to turn every established franchise into like a cart racer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the Roman carts, right? I remember everyone wanted uncarted with the uncharted series. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. You know, um, maybe you do like, um, what if Mortal Kombat, to go back to NetherRealm, I guess, because, you know, they've done beat-em-ups and and adventure games. What if you just did a full-on open world, just like AAA sort of like Witcher-style Assassin's Creed thing? Because, you know, they've flirted with that with like the, um, like Mortal Kombat Deception had like the, the, the conquest mode or whatever it's called was Shujinko and that was kind of like yeah. a small open world like what if they just like what if you just made a game that was just that blown up so like you play as like either an original character or just like maybe pick one of the main characters to star in it like Scorpion and like actually Scorpion would be cool because he's a ninja right so you have an excuse to be like yeah he could do parkour and stuff but he's got his rope spear also he could use his um his spear or like his uh, yeah, it's like his cool. hook spear as like a grappling hook or something exactly Oh, just, did I just steal it? Did I just literally just? No, I mean, I was gonna say the same thing, but sorry. it's but it's like it's like obvious, right? Like that's what you yeah, that's yeah, what you like, do with that. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, you know, awesome. like do like assassinations and stuff. Like he's just in a, he's just Assassin's Creed, but with Scorpion, basically. And then we'll have we'll have Sub Zero be able to do super jumps in the air where he just lays down a magical platform of ice, and there he just infinitely jumps to the air like Red Hood. Red yes. Hood might. And the ice is just floating in the air because gravity doesn't affect it for some reason. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was. He also fell into the Lazarus pit. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, he yeah. did come back as Noob Cybot, so that's what it yep. was. Yeah. There so. we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a good idea. I like that a lot. Yeah. See, Ed Boone, you got two things you need to work on: Scr- screwing around with this Marvel crap, <laughs> get this TMNT <laughs> game and this open world uh, Scorpion game out the door. There you go. Uh, and then the next time I sit down with Nintendo, I will I will pitch my game. I will make sure they hear it. That's too good not to not to bother them with it, you know? Yeah. But then again with Pokemon, anytime you ask or present a good idea, they usually go to hard opposite, right? Isn't that why fans yeah. are always perpetually angry? <laughs> yeah, well I'll I'll do my best. I'll I'll talk to Mr. Pokemon about it. John Pokemon. Can, yeah. Yeah, see if I can make it happen. Troidal Power and Discord asks what candy is great in fun size format, but way too much in king size format? I feel like when I eat fun size, it's usually the candies I love eating big. I'm trying to think of one. I, actually, you know what? Uh, Three Musketeers is that answer. That's the perfect answer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I don't. Three Musketeers is in that B tier of candy that I've never spent money on. But if you put it in front of me, I'll eat it. But like, yeah, fun size because it's just like. It's only two ingredients. It's just chocolate and the fluffy nougat. But the fluffy nougat for me, it's like you get you're like over it after you get like past fun size. Yeah. What about a Milky Way? Yeah, Milky Way I can eat more of. Like I've had okay. a full Mickey. Like a Milky Way is a rung above okay. a three musketeer. But yeah, it's, one it's more. in the ballpark. Let me throw one more at you. <sighs> a crunch bar. I can eat a whole crunch bar. I'm fine. With okay, that. me too. Me yeah. too. <laughs> I, I, I crunch. I never buy. But I crunch always bars. see them. Yeah, I only see them in snack size, though. Yeah, like they're not good enough for me to ever spend money on them. But like, I would, I would spend money on a crunch bar before a Milky Way or a Three Musketeer. Have you ever seen a full size Mr. Good bar? Yeah, all the time. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, you haven't. <laughs> Maybe I just haven't seen one in a while. I mean, they're not like. 
you won't see them at like the grocery store checkout line candy. I feel like it's like a random gas station in Florida would carry them. <laughs> we love them down here, Mister. <laughs> we can't get enough of Mister. I remember like as a kid seeing them a lot. I think, but in recent years, I haven't seen them anywhere. You have to go down the actual candy aisle in the grocery store. You can't go to like okay. the abridged aisle that's just at the checkout yeah. that just has the staples. I try to avoid the candy aisle. Right. Uh, I mean, it's hard when you're checking out. It's like right there, right? But yeah, yeah, when you go down the actual candy aisle, you see like all the like. That's what I mean. Oh, yeah. The jumbo size bars and the less. The forbidden aisle. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I'm just getting gum. I'm just getting gum. I feel like (laughs) Halloween is the only time I eat a Mr. Good bar, though. Yeah. Because of the same with like Crackle, which is like less popular uh, crunch. Was that the red ones? Yeah, the red ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crunch bar, but not as cool oh it's you like know, gen- it's like food line crunch bar i will say there's one candy that i always surprise i don't eat more of is uh 100 grand because i also only eat that during oh, halloween but every time i yeah. eat it i'm like this is really good why don't i ever just like eat a whole one of these <laughs> so it's like the reverse of this question where i was like i could eat more of this but i never go out of my way yeah. to buy it. <laughs> you know what candy is uh really good that doesn't get enough credit uh, a payday ah <sighs> No, I haven't had a payday in a long time because when I was a kid, I thought it was the most boring candy of like, it's just peanuts and and me too. But then I bit into it and I was like, wait a second. I just wanted it's pretty great. It's stupid because it's like it's this would essentially turn it into a baby root. But I was like, why don't they just cover it in chocolate? Then I'll eat it. But that's that's a baby root. (laughs) The the problem with paydays, though, is they are one of the least consistent candy bars. Really? I've had like in terms of like the ratio, I feel like I've opened up paydays and it's like you know, where's all the filling at or where are the nuts at? There's like not as many nuts as I want. You can see the core I, of it. Yeah, I feel like the, the 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 payday QA is is, you know, lacking. But again, I I've had a payday in a while. So maybe they've maybe they've, you know, uh, tightened the ship up. It's a bad payday. It's like when you get your check and you're like, this isn't as much as I normally get. I'm yeah, like, exactly. I'm going like, to make rent this much. And they're like, that's taxes, baby. Oh, yeah, God, we have to take some peanuts away from you <laughs> for, for <laughs> Medicare and social security. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Let's get in. We got two more questions, Marcus. And Attack Corky writes in asking, maybe I'm missing something here, but why has everyone seemingly forgiven CDPR for their cyberpunk debacle? Netflix releases a good anime, which brings people back to a less broken Night City gaming experience. And everyone seems cool with how the studio misled consumers and broke their dev team to make a buggy mess. It took five plus years of free content for Hello Games to come back in everyone's good graces with No Man's Sky. So why does CDPR get off so easy here? I would say I don't think it actually took Hello Games that long. I think it took them two or three years. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was the No Man's Sky next update, which I think was like two years after um, the initial launch, which is what it's been about for Cyberpunk. I mean, it'll be two years this this December yeah. will be two years since it launched, but I mean, I think the answer is that at a certain point you got to move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't hold grudges forever. I'm not saying you're allowed to be, you're not allowed to be mad or to feel like annoyed. Yeah, but at the but same I think, time, I think it's, it's like okay. how long? Can you, <laughs> yeah, like it's okay to be excited for something, you know? Yeah, um, especially like I'm. I'm not saying you can forgive and not forget. Yeah, you know, you can. I don't think anybody's forgetting. Yeah, it's not like people are pretending it the bad launch. Never it's happened. always been great. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Well, well some people maybe. Uh, I mean, the people I, that I always liked it, which, you know, there are those people that were always cool from the beginning, like, whatever, this is fun. I'm on PC. But yeah, at a certain point, it's like they've spent the last year and a half updating it and updating it and updating it. You know, yes, it should have launched better and it shouldn't have had needed to be updated the way it has. But hey, that's just. That's just how it worked the way out. The cookie crumbles. And you know, sometimes games that launch poorly don't get those updates either because they can't afford it or whatever, but they just get abandoned. I mean, look at Babylon's Fall. That's just shutting down <laughs> like barely, yeah. a, barely a year after that debacle. So like, you know, the fact that CD Projekt Red at least kind of hunkered down and got it to a, a, a more playable state. It's like, okay, we gave you largely what you wanted for the most part. And, you know, we got all this new stuff that we're doing now. It's like, again, at a certain point, you're like, you just got to let go and be like, all right, fine. You know, life's too short to hold grudges, especially over bad video game launches. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you're going to be mad about anything. There's probably a lot more things higher on the food chain that you can uh, outrage about in the long term. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm kind of over it at this point. Yeah, I think so. And I, I've one. I wanted to enjoy it when it first came out. It's not like yeah, I still haven't finished it because I haven't touched it since launch. Period. Yeah, I told I told myself I'd come back to it. So I I will, but it was a thing of like I'll wait for it to be good, you know. Yeah, and I guess it is now. Sounds like, but it's yeah, also a busy we'll holiday season, so they're they're still gonna have to wait. <laughs> Last question comes from Zachary Pluggy, who asks. Why'd they take away our boy's booty? What did Mario do to deserve losing those thick thighs that saved all those lives in the Mushroom Kingdom? Marcus, I am not familiar. Did they, like, debut Mario? So, uh, Nintendo and I guess Illumination released the f- official poster for the Super Mario Brothers movie, which looks fantastic, honestly. If that image is any indication in terms of like visually this looks amazing because it just looks like mario but like higher fidelity and stuff but yeah you know the the centerpiece it's running is, on the switch pro yeah exactly that's what they're not telling you they're going to hand you switch pros when you go to the theater and they're like you watch the movie here actually <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah the, the centerpiece of this this image is our boy mario with his back turned to the camera like a true g <laughs> you see his his uh his butt not his bare butt you know he's wearing his clothes but like people really uh fixated on the, on the definition shape. on his butt or maybe lack of shape is the problem uh he's got a sort of hank hill going going on there <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things where i would have never noticed if the internet wasn't the internet about it about like this is the one thing somebody really zoomed in on and now everyone can't unsee it now yeah but i mean when when did mario ever have like a a dump truck of a butt like i'm any like i feel like every like official render i've seen of mario i don't think there's ever a time where i was just like wow he's uh been doing some squats <laughs> <You know? laughs> Doing some Hindu squats, been working out. Yeah. I see down there, you know. I don't know. Do you um, want Mario to be? I think. I think. I think. Is that <laughs> is that what you need for this to be? Good? I think they do. I think you know any video game protagonist needs to have a a, a donk on them. You know, a new you donk city. Exactly. That's you what can't. It's named after. 
you can't, you know, vibe with the mayor of New Donk City without a donk yourself. That's what Pauline, her first edict as mayor, said. Everyone has to have a nice butt to live in this town. Yeah. So yeah, free BB, uh, like government subsidized BBLs um, <laughs> for all of the denizens of Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess this will only be a problem if there's a scene in the movie where Mario has to do a butt stomp, right? Like, is that going to be a problem when he butt pounds somebody? Oh, yeah. You know, is it going to be Wonder a Wonder if he'll have a training montage where he's doing squats to, like, get his butt up. Yeah, like, they, it's like it's a purposeful thing. Like, there's a scene where, like, Keegan-Michael Key's toad just rips on, <laughs> his, rips on his butt. Like, what's going on down there? You can't save the princess with that thing. You need to, you need to work on that, buddy. And then, yeah, yeah, he's just, like, butt stomping some Goombas until he gets uh, some definition, I guess. But Well, shout out to our boy. I, I hope he, I hope he uh, can d- develop those cheeks, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's something we can all be proud of. You think they'll change the cheeks? This will be like a Sonic the Hedgehog situation where they they delay the movie. (laughs) (laughs) We'll call like the original like old cheeks Mario. Yeah, like no, no, like assless Mario. Yeah, (laughs) going to be in the Chippendale sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, that's very good. Cool. Well, Marcus, I think that's gonna that's gonna be the end of the show uh, for me and you, and for everybody listening. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to go and follow everybody uh, on social. Uh, Marcus at Marcus Stewart seven. Brian Shea is at Brian P Shea. Wesley is at LeBlanc Wes. And I am at it's Van Aken uh, review the show. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend and we will see you next week. Just an FYI, the next couple weeks, if a show is late or something like that, just bear with me. We are working with the staff size we have and we've got, uh, a good amount of travel coming up. We were kind of in the midst of that. I just I said at the top of the show, Mark was in, in Tokyo and then um, Montreal. Montreal. I'm going to Japan next week for for like nine days. Um, pl- and I know, right? I'm going to a different part of Japan though. Ah, okay. I'll allow it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so it's just, it's going to be uh, interesting. But uh, I will, there will be uh, episodes just bear with me if it's a if it's a couple hours late or even, you know, the morning after Friday morning instead of like a Thursday afternoon. Are you uh, going to record on location? I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm still figuring out. We might do some pre-recorded stuff. I got to see what kind of embargoes we're working with. Right. If we can pre-record anything, uh, all that fun stuff. But it would be cool to record live from Osaka, but I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll see. All right, y'all. Bye.